This morning to Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1 this morning. As you're turning there, uh, some of you probably, hopefully everybody received in the mail. Uh, we're sending out, now we're going to try to send out monthly just what we're calling just simply a prayer guide. It's just uh, different things for you to be praying through. You know, sometimes uh, prayer's not as complicated as we make it. Sometimes we just need some ideas, some things to sit down and think through. Uh, so we've given you a lot of things here to pray for, anything from praying through the scriptures to praying for our church, our community, our country, and pr- praying for the persecuted church. And uh, I know there's some things in here if you saw it. Uh, for me, it's been very valuable uh, using some of the the wisdom that you gain from uh, people that have had a faithful testimony. You know, people, even even you could take a hymnal and use it as a devotional. You know, all of there's such a depth of thought in some of the things that the Spirit has inspired people to write over the years. So using those kind of things and turning them into your prayers. So I would encourage you to use that guide uh, to, to pray, commit time to that every day so that, uh, again, as we talked about last week, that we would be a church that would be defined as a house of prayer, that we would be distinguished that way. What we're going to be looking into this morning is kind of breaking down some of the ideas that we have in that prayer guide. Again, simply the beginning of that prayer guide talks about breaking down the scriptures and praying the scriptures. I think that is a very, very important thing. Uh, you know, very simply for us as believers, if you don't know what to pray for, take some things that you find in the Bible and turn them into prayers about yourself. Uh, so that's what we're going to be doing today is looking at Philippians chapter 1 and breaking down exactly what was the heart of what uh, Paul was praying for the church in this moment and how significant it is, the aim of his prayer uh, in, in thinking, of that, thinking of that in light sometimes of the aim of our prayers. Uh, so we're going to be breaking that down as we go here. But um, Philippians chapter 1, starting at verse 9, it says, And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. So right now what we see here is Paul praying for this church, and his prayer was very pointed. It wasn't generic. It wasn't something that was mindless. It was very pointed. It was aimed directly at that which would be of greatest value to the church. It wasn't simply for a matter of health or safety but for depth of relationship and the ability to live out the purposes of God with the wisdom of God for the glory of God. You see, so many times uh, when we don't know what to pray for, what we end up praying for is simply physical needs or safety or those kind of things. There's nothing wrong with praying those things. That is not a bad thing. We need to pray for those things. But there is such a greater depth that we can be going to. There is a greater depth that we can be praying for that is available to us uh, uh, in this Christian life. I can't remember who said it. I think it was a guy named J.R. Miller, but he said something along the lines of uh, how we, we have all of these things within our reach, but 
we pray for temporal blessings when we have spiritual treasure available to us. So we have to make sure that we go beyond just the simple trying to pray for somebody's uh, physical healing. And again, there's nothing wrong with that. That is a good thing. The Bible tells us to do that. We have to go beyond praying for safety and those kind of things to trying to understand what is the heart of Scripture. This is what we're going for here, is trying to understand, develop a heart for the heart of Scripture, that our heart would be aligned with the purposes or the heart of Scripture. And what we see right here in Paul's prayer is the heart of God through Paul for the church. And his heart for them was that they would develop uh, a depth of relationship, again, to live out the purposes of God with the wisdom of God for the glory of God. So the first thing that we see here, uh, starting in verse 9, let me read that again. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. So that is his prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of, depth of insight. So the first thing that we have to understand uh, when he's talking about that your love would abound more and more, that is the first thing. Their love would abound more and more. So we have to understand, again, the word that is used there in the Greek language for love. We've talked about this before, how there, are, in our English language we use one word that we apply to anything and everything that you can imagine. We love sports teams. We love fishing. We love uh, a good hamburger. We love our spouse. We use the same word for our spouse that we use for food sometimes, right? That doesn't make sense. So we have to understand that in the Greek language there were different terms that were used to express different kind of love. So what we see here, if you break this down, you look in the Greek language, and he says, I pray that your love would abound more and more. The word that he uses there is agape love. That is the, the sacrificial love of God. Now we have other kinds of love that he talk about in the Greek language. We have brotherly love. We have familial love. They have uh, uh, you know, the physical attraction between a husband and wife, they have that kind of love. But what we're talking about here, the word he uses here, that your love may abound more and more, the word agape, meaning the sacrificial love of God. You understand that that is a love that is not based on what I feel. It is not based on how I am treated. It is not based on what I get in return. Uh, I can't remember uh, who said this. I think it was a guy named A.W. Pink, but he said, agape, agape love does not have its origin in the desirability of the object of one's affection. A believer has this love or the divine nature of God within, and it is manifest as fruit by the Holy Spirit as we obey the truth. Agape does not have its origin in the desirability of the object of one's affection. That means when I look on the one who I, to whom I am supposed to express sacrificial love, which is to be everyone, but sometimes we like to withhold that when we look on certain people that irritate us or they have done something to offend us. The love of God that is poured out in my spirit is to be expressed not based on the object, but based on the source of my love. The same way that God's love was expressed to me, it is then supposed to be expressed to those around me. You see, if everything was based on, if God's love was based on whether somebody offended him or not, not one of us would have the opportunity to be in his presence. We would always, every one of us would be in the deepest pit of hell. His love was not based on the merit of the object, but it was based on his nature. And in the same way, Romans 5, 5 says, God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. So you understand that when we receive Christ, when you and I receive him as a Savior, it begins this 
process, process of being refined and transformed to reflect his character. He pours his very love, his nature, his loving nature is poured into our hearts and then is to be expressed to the world around us, not based on the merit of the person or the situation around us, but based on the source of the love that is within our hearts. So we have to understand the motivation of our sacrificial love that is to be expressed to those around us is not based on those around us. It is based on God. We have to change our, the way that we think about things. We have to understand not just love. Everything that we do as a Christian now, that I'm walking in Christ, everything that I do is based on my life in Christ. The Bible again says your life is hidden with Christ in God. My source of life is now from Him. We've talked about many times before that my source of joy now is not from this world, but it is from Him. In the same way, my source of love is not based on how others make me feel, but is based on my life being hidden with Christ in God. That The heavenly place where God dwells is now the source of everything that happens in my heart. We have to understand that as believers and make sure we resist the temptation to make decisions based on what we see in our worldly environment, but we make decisions based on the source of our life being in heaven where God dwells. So God has poured his love into our hearts uh, through the Holy Spirit. Um, then as, this, as he do, does this, as he pours his love into our hearts, this produces fruit in our, love, our lives. Uh, then he goes on, though, to say that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. So the point is that he's praying that this sacrificial love wouldn't just be poured into their hearts, but it would abound more and more that it would be ever-increasing within their hearts. You see, as believers, as people who are walking with Christ, there should be this point where we receive Christ as Savior and we're walking in the Spirit. And over that period of time, we should be able to look back at some point in the future and see that God's love has increased in my soul, in my heart. We should be able to see that. You see, we shouldn't... There, if there is something wrong if... In your life, if you feel like there was a moment that you received Christ, and 20 years later, if you honestly analyze your life and don't see that your love, your capacity to sacrificially love, if you don't see that it it has increased in some measure, there is something wrong with your spiritual walk. You see, because God's desire is to pour that out, not just to fill us and to fill us one time, but to always be increasing that, that that would overflow within us, that he would continue to build that within us. A.W. Pink said this, As you take from a fountain, still more comes. As a spring does not keep its water to itself, so love keeps nothing to itself, but it flows out for the use and benefit of others. Love is selfless. Its very nature is to give, seeking to promote the glory of God and the good of men. As fountains have their rise in hills, so love is first in God's heart. In heaven, we love him because he first loves us. As you take from a fountain, still more comes. That is the way that it works within our souls. As you are truly walking in the Spirit of God, desiring that he would transform you to reflect who he is, it is the same way that a spring continuously feeds a pond or a lake. I think of the the, the Church uh, Church of God camp over in Pennsylvania where I've, I grew up uh, going there, and Jamie and I have a, uh, a small cabin over there, and... Uh, my whole family goes there, but they have a pond. And uh, I grew up 
swimming in the pond. I don't like, I don't love to swim in it as much as I get older. When you were younger, you didn't care about those things as much. But uh, I, now you think of all the things that might be in there that you can't see. Uh, but uh, if, you, if you swim through that pond, there's, there's various places where you will, you will come to where it will get very, very cold. Because there's springs in different places that are feeding that pond, right? And the springs have been feeding that pond for years and years and years. The pond isn't sitting stagnant. It hasn't been filled once and just left stagnant. There is life that is feeding that pond. You see, it is the same way in our hearts. There has to be something feeding us. God desires to pour himself into you every single day. Every day to give you more and give you more. That our love would be abounding more and more, increasing every day in Him. Um, The desire was that the believers would overflow with the love of God, but also then that they would have the spiritual knowledge and insight to understand how to apply this love. Uh, He said again, This is my prayer that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. So you see, we can't miss that. We can't miss that. That their love would increase, their sacrificial love would increase, but not just some love that is expressed any way that we think it should be expressed because we see it in our culture today. The humans think that love should be expressed in many different ways than when it comes down to it are certainly not the ways that God has set apart for his sacred love to be expressed. You see, we aren't the ones who get to decide what love is. E.W. Pink said this. I keep quoting him, but what he was saying was very, very good on this stuff. He said a common desire in Paul's prayers was that the believers would superabound. If you break down the the Greek, that's some of the definition is actually, it says superabound. Here Paul prays that their love may uh, may keep on overflowing, resulting in a perpetual flood of love, and to do so yet more and more, but always qualified by limitations, like riverbanks keeping a river on a course, and real, real knowledge and discernment. You see, love sometimes has to do hard things. Love sometimes expressed sacrificially means that I have to sacrifice that somebody might get upset at me from my point of view on something. Love being expressed to somebody doesn't mean that they're always going to Enjoy what you have to say because love is based on truth. Second John 1 John 1.1 just simply says this. When he addressed his letter, he said uh, to the elder, to the lady chosen by God, and to her children whom I love in truth. The lady whom I love in truth. You see, sacrificial love is not sacrificial love if it is not in the boundaries of truth. And some people don't like those boundaries. But even if people don't like that, you see, if you and I are walking within those boundaries like the banks of a river, he said, within the, within the banks of a river as our guide, we can be sure that we are truly expressing true sacrificial love of God. If he is pouring that into our hearts and we are walking within the parameters that God has set for his sacrificial love, we can, uh, we can know that we are truly expressing his sacrificial love. But at some point is going to lead us, when we are expressing sacrificial love in knowledge and discernment, at some point it's going to lead us to have to do something hard. 
This is a simple example. I think I might have used it before, but I remember, remember in uh, the one church I was, I was at, I won't say why since we're recording. This recording really messes things up, so I can't say a lot of things. Uh, but I remember somebody telling me that uh, they had gone to the altar with somebody and you know, the person was at the altar praying and saying, you know, I just don't feel like I'm living up to my responsibility in this certain area. And, uh, you know, while they were there talking to this person at the altar, a couple other people came up and started trying to console the person and say, well, no, you're, you're really good. You're doing, you're doing really good. You have all these good things going for you. You see, at some point, we cannot just cut off what God is doing in somebody. It... it it's not it's not unloving to say to the person you you are you are an amazing person god is doing great things in you but maybe he's speaking to you in this moment maybe you do need to do better maybe there is something more he wants to do in you it's not unloving to tell somebody that it's not unloving to to you can still support somebody and tell them there are areas that you can probably move forward still you see what i'm saying is we live in a culture where what our culture believes love is, is that nobody ever says anything that could possibly be offensive to anyone else. And everybody's offended by everything. So how do you express love? You just keep your mouth shut and don't ever say anything. That's not love. Love is based on truth. And sometimes the truth is you need to get your life in order. Sometimes the truth is you, you have a child or somebody who's spiraling out of control. Sometimes the truth is I can't support this anymore. I've done everything I can. It's not unloving to tell you that you've got to figure this out on your own. Because what I'm doing and trying to support, to, to support you is just making it worse. I know that's hard. That's hard for that person to hear. That's hard for us to do. But you see, love isn't based on how somebody else feels. It's not based on how I feel. It is based on the truth. So we have to understand those parameters under which God has called our love to abound more and more, but in knowledge and depth of insight. So when I evaluate situations around me to try to understand whether something is loving or not, the first thing that I better think of is the truth that God has laid out in his word. Uh, sacrificial love is based on truth. The next thing that we see here is that uh, love increasing within us in knowledge and depth of insight leads us to discernment. Leads the people of God to the place of having some sort of discernment. Uh, again, starting in verse 9, he says, And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern, or some versions say approve, what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ. Uh, discerning. When you look into this, they would have used this same term uh, for some of the practice they, practices they used at that time and still today, the, the practices of testing gold to determine its purity or even testing money to be sure if it wasn't counterfeit. Uh, so what we see here then is the purpose of increasing love controlled by knowledge and discernment is to be able to evaluate people in situations correctly. So when I have this love increasing within me, I am operating then in knowledge and insight 
I express that love and knowledge and insight, but it leads me then, when I am thinking, when I am living in the knowledge and insight that God gives me through His Spirit, it leads me to be able to discern situations around me. Again, it's not unloving to say that there are certain things that just simply aren't things that Christians should be a part of because it doesn't lift up the sacred things that God has laid out for His people. I'll give you one example of that. There is, uh, I, I, don't, I don't know if I'm more aware of this because I was a worship leader for years, but uh, it is really, really hard to find music for a church that it doesn't come from a place of questionable background. It is really, really hard. And I'm not talking about just some simple theological things that we might disagree on, but I'm talking about If you listen to Christian radio, I guarantee you, you have been influenced by music that comes from a church that in one of their books that was written by multiple people on their staff, I have the quotes, and I'm going to paraphrase now, but I have the quotes if you want to see them. They said that they were looking into the New Age movement to see if there was anything precious that they could extract from the worthless. Now this is... uh, is a church that has music on the radio, I guarantee you right now somebody's listening to their music being played everywhere. And that is what it comes, that is the background. Nobody knows that because most people don't ever search to understand the depths of that, where it all comes from. But they said that they were looking into the New Age movement to see if there was anything precious that could be extracted from the worthless. There is nothing that the New Age movement has to offer the church. Everything that we have, the Bible says that God has given us everything that we need for life and godliness. There's no reason to look into pagan religions. No reason whatsoever for that. You see, these aren't just simple theological things like like whether this church believes in eternal security or this one doesn't or this one speaks in tongues and this doesn't. We're not talking about those things. We're talking about people looking into false religions. You see, to be the people of God walking in the sacrificial love of God, we have to be people who are walking in discernment. And at that point then, we have to be able to say, I just can't, I just can't support this. I've had these conversations with people who have just said, you know, I don't know the background. I don't know what they were getting at. I'm sure they didn't really mean that. I've had those conversations. At some point as the church, somebody has stepped across the line and we have to be able to say, I'm not going to go that far with you. We can have debates about eternal security and tongues and all those kind of things, but I'm not going to go this far with you. That is way beyond the line. That is not unloving for us to do that. You see, being people that have the love of God increasing within us, we walk in the knowledge of God and the wisdom of God, and then we become people of discernment. Not just looking for things that that we should try to avoid, but discerning the things that are most valuable to us in life. The Amplified Bible says this, and, and again, for those of you, if, I, I like to say this, if you, don't, if you don't know what the Amplified Bible is, it's not a literal Bible translation. Don't go home and buy the Amplified Bible and think that you're reading the same thing. It's somebody's, basically somebody's notes on the Bible. Uh, but he's, he said this, so that you may surely learn to sense what is vital and approve and prize what is excellent and of real value, recognizing the highest and best and distinguishing the moral differences so that you may be un, untainted 
impure and unerring and blameless, so that with hearts sincere and certain you may approach the day of Christ, not stumbling nor causing others to stumble. So being a person who is discerning doesn't mean that I'm just constantly on the lookout for all the things that are terrible around me that I need to call out, but it's so that I may discern what is best for my life in Christ, so that I may approve of the things and walk in the things that are going to nourish my soul and build me up. It's being a person who is discerning means that I consider the limited amount of time that I have in life and what are the things that are of most value that I'm going to commit my time to. You know, see, even as a Christian, we have a million things that we can do as Christians that are good things to do. That doesn't mean that you and I are supposed to do every one of those things. You see, God's wisdom and his love within our hearts leads us to discernment. Again, not to just call out all of the things that are wrong, but for me to understand what is the best use of my time so that I may know God more, understand his love, and glorify him in this life. Discernment leads me to understanding what I should commit myself to. You see, then Paul prays that they would be filled with righteousness for the glory of God. Uh, Again, starting in verse 9, Philippians 1, And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless, until the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. So the effect of God's plan in the hearts of men and women is nothing less than miraculous. What we see God doing in the hearts of of man is truly a miracle. The God would take these people who have had his image within them, but then it was broken in the fall, and then take them them from the place of, of selfishness, of walking as a person who was dead. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death, that we were people who were dead in our transgressions. He would take them from that place and build them up, reform his image within them, bring them new life, that they would reflect his sacrificial love in knowledge and insight, but to the glory of God. You see, all of that reflects the glory of God to the world around us and back to God. God looks on his children and sees the work of his son, sees the work of his spirit, building them up and continuously filling them with his love. This glorifies God in the greatest measure that you and I could possibly glorify God. See, you don't have to be, again, a pastor who's standing on stage. You don't have to be a pastor who's traveling the country or a worship leader or, or the best teacher. You just simply have to be somebody who is seeking the abounding love of God within your heart to walk then in knowledge and discernment. And as this happens, God will produce fruit in your life. Whether other people think it's something to to write down in the history books or not, that glorifies God in the greatest measure that you and I can possibly glorify God. You see, that is what you have to offer. That is what we have to offer to God. Is that I would empty himself asking him to fill me with his ever-increasing love. And as he does that, then my life would be a testimony to the work of his son, to the work of his spirit, and to the divine plan of God that has enacted all of those things that has allowed me to come from the place of death to life to glorify him as he gives me a new heart 
that isn't motivated by self-centered desires, but by the sacrificial love that God has been poured has poured out into my heart. You see, you don't have to be a household name to live life to the fullest measure because the moment that you do that, you are living the highest life that you possibly can as a human. Because in that moment, you are glorifying the God that has created you. That is the purpose for which we have been created. This is the last thing. You see what we're doing here? Uh, the worship team can come up as we close here. This is why prayer is so significant. As we talked about last week, that it connects our, our hearts to the heart of God. And as we continue to do that, we push deeper and deeper in understanding the heart of God. We see it here. Again, it's not just a matter of praying for physical things, though. That is, there's nothing wrong with that. It's not just a matter of praying for safety. It's not just praying that, that my kids would know God, though we absolutely should do that, but praying that, that my, the same things that Paul's praise here, that this is the heart of Scripture. This is the heart of, of uh, this should be the heart of every believer to know God in this way, that my love would abound, my sacrificial love would abound more and more. It would be ever increasing in my heart then that I would have the courage and boldness and confidence to express that sacrificial love in knowledge and wisdom. Then that I would be able to discern not just the things that are meant to trip me up in life, but I would discern what's the best use of my time and my energy so that I may know God more. And all of this through Christ to the glory of God. You see, you can take those small things in Scripture and make that a prayer for your whole life. Because that is the work. Those three verses, that is the work that God wants to do in your life. From the day that you receive Him till the day that you draw your last breath. That is what He wants to do in you. There is never a moment on this side of eternity where that work is done. It is always something new that He wants to do in you. Purpose is that we may live out the purposes of God through the wisdom of God, through the glory of God. Make that your prayer. If you don't know what to pray for, take the things that the Word of God has laid out for you. Read the Bible and concepts will jump out to you and just turn them into prayers for yourself. That prayer is significantly more valuable than anything that I could have ever come up with. Paul's prayer for the church. Turn it into a prayer for yourself and honestly desire that God would fill you with His love and allow you to live that with knowledge, wisdom, and discernment for His glory. God, we thank You today again for the ways that You work in our hearts, the ways that You build us up. Father, for the knowledge that You have not left us to ourselves, but You have sent us your spirit, as your word says, to be with us forever. That he is our comforter, he is our helper, our advocate. Father, that your work is not done, but through your spirit you continue to work every single day.
on our behalf within our hearts. Father, help us to be people that would have a desperation for you to increase our capacity to love others sacrificially, not based on their merit, but based on you as the source. Give us wisdom and knowledge. Help us to be people who would be discerning and, Father, then that our life would be a testimony of your glory. Father, we love you today. It is your name we pray. Amen. Would you stand, please?